Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Podcast. We will be discussing Whit Stillman's Jane Austen adaptation, Love and Friendship. Uh, I'm Sam Hallett, and as always, I'm joined by Jenna. Hiya. And the triumphant return of Helen Seymour. Hi, Helen. Hello. How have you been? Been all right. I've had a cold. But you're better now. I'm better. There's a husk. (laughs) (laughs) There's a husk in the room, but it's okay. Love a good husk in the room. Yeah. So, Love and Friendship is based on the novella by uh, Jane Austen, titled uh, Lady Susan, and it stars Kate uh, Beckinsale as a prickly, manipulative widow intent on finding her daughter and herself a husband. Uh, This week we also have a very exciting interview with director Whit Stillman, which we'll play at the end of the show. So, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, Love and Friendship, which is based on the novella. I don't think it's a full novel. Yeah, it's a novella that she wrote pre-Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, and I believe it was never published in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book's actually called Lady Susan, and it's one of those... It's, it's the word epistolary, where it's all letters? told... Yeah, through like letters and oh, diary that's entries. that's interesting. Epi- I think it's epistolary. There's Ep- a T in it. Epistolary, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, there's... The whole thing is uh, letters between the characters. Oh, fun. Um, so uh, in the film, you've got Kate Beckinsale as the, the prickly, manipulative widow, uh, Lady Susan Vernon, who is intent on finding her daughter and herself a husband uh, just to bump up their social status and their financial security. Classic Austen. Yeah. it's that. It sounds very typically Austen. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, both of you, can Jane Austen be cinematic? Is there anything particularly cinematic about Jane Austen's books and the films that they're adapted into? I haven't actually read Jane Austen. Okay. But you've never read an Austen. <laughs> I don't mean to out you. Had a cold. <laughs> <laughs> Only for a few days. Not your whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you no, read I Austen? Yeah. Good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I don't really like Jane Austen. Well, how can I say? I just that, <laughs> <laughs> that world doesn't appeal to me yeah. at all, and any period drama mm-hmm. I do not like. Okay, I kind of agree because well, I've read the Philistines. two. I know, yeah, the two I've read are Pride and Prejudice, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's the one everyone's read, apart from Helen, 
and uh, <laughs> Mansfield Park. Yeah. And and well, the films that I've seen as well, I've seen Pride and Prejudice and Sense of Sensibility, mm-hmm. and the they're both directed by really great sort of visual filmmakers like Joe Wright and Ang Lee, mm-hmm. Ang Lee who did Life of Pi so, and uh, Broken Mountain, so he's got a real he did Sense and Sensibility. Yeah, they've both got real style, but I just find both of those films very kind of safe and just kind of. In terms of like an, an adaptation, they're just yeah. the filmed version of the book. I yeah, find. I think this is very different in, exactly, in its adaptation yeah. to those films. Those films are very classic. They follow the plot yeah. and they do it justice. And yeah. I, I mean, and if you are a fan of Austin, absolutely, which yeah. I would say I am, I think I a lot of people are. Yeah, great Sunday afternoon TV with a cup of tea, most definitely. Um, but yeah, I know. I thought this is really a really interesting take on Jane Austen with all the little devices and gimmicks yeah. used that you don't get in the uh, kind of traditional adaptations. Yeah, I think. Whit Stillman has found a, a viciousness mm-hmm. and a kind of an edge in this a very far lesser known Austen book. Yeah, well, she's really quite the character. Yeah. She's not Elizabeth Bennet. All Jane oh, Austen's no, no, no. usual characters are very likable yeah. women. You're just like, you know, Elizabeth is a bit of a feminist for her time. Well, yeah. <laughs> for the time. Yeah, okay. Whereas I think apparently um, it was a really like a cruel character that Jane Austen had written here for this woman. And yeah. she showed quite a lot of contempt for her in the writing yeah. of this, oh, I yeah. think. Whereas I think uh, Stillman it doesn't really show that. She's no. quite likeable, I think. I absolutely agree with you there. Um, Helen, you, so you're not, a host, you're not an Austen fan. And but... I loved this Excellent. so much. Cool, good. So funny. I, that, that's the important thing. Yeah. So mm. I think it is an out-and-out comedy. Yeah. It's hilarious. And comedies yeah. are so hard in film. Yeah. There's so few comedy films yeah. that actually make me laugh yeah and this one i think absolutely nails it and i really did laugh in this one yeah yeah there's so a many lot. moments that are just outrageous yeah. especially because of the time period where everything's a euphemism yeah. or a double entendre you just yeah it's hilarious absolutely hilarious so the book's called lady susan and she is our uh, i was gonna say hero then but she's really not <laughs> <laughs> she's a uh, absolutely truly memorable character mm-hmm. um an anti-heroine if yeah. you will. I've quite, which is actually quite rare. Not just in a Jane Austen style, that kind of era of book where you'd have an anti-heroine as the lead, but even in films, like it's quite rare to have the female lead be this mean. Yeah. <laughs> and this much of almost a villain at times. Um, so that's nice to see. Yeah, especially because she's a likeable villain too, yeah, which you, I don't think you get with no. female characters very often. They're either kind of evil or yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah, I loved watching her. I I wanted. More like I was so happy when she was on yeah, screen, and definitely. just her line, and she acted it so well, and it I must have been so much fun to film. Yeah, I think she had an absolute ball making this film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got, I've made a list of my favourite lines. Oh great! Um, I will say that a lot of these are <laughs> in the trailer. Really <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do want to hear them. <laughs> Sorry, you've got to sit through this. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Oh great. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, um, I'm, I'm interested. If she were going to be jealous, she should not have married such a charming man. <laughs> uh, when she's talking about her friend's husband, played by Stephen Fry, she says, he's too old to be governable and too young to die. Uh, but I think... Also, there's a scene where she walks into this person's house and the family's just standing there. She just goes, what a delightful family post. <laughs> <laughs> Everything she says... It's such a mean just, thing to say. Yeah, yeah, it's so cutting and like straight to the quick. Isn't My favourite... A moment. I think my, one of my favorite moments in the film is when she's walking with um, Chloe Sevigny's character, mm-hmm. and this guy goes up to her and just says hello. And she she says, "How dare you address me, sir? Be gone, or I shall have you whipped." And then Chloe <laughs> goes, "Oh, 
and you don't even know him. She says, oh, I know him well. I never speak to a stranger like that. <laughs> but she is, she's awful. She's really awful. But hilarious. Yeah. She knows it. I think it, I think that's why it's okay, is because yeah. she totally owns it. Oh, yeah. She yeah. knows that she's being horrendous. Yeah. Like, everything she does, she has this like, little smirk on her oh, face. Oh, she loves it as well. Yeah. She's like, absolutely yeah. enjoys every sentence. And like all the stuff about not paying her... Um, oh, her friend. Her, fr- yeah. well, she, her friend who's actually yeah. her maid. <laughs> as a oh. friendship is involved, I'm sure the paying of wages would be offensive to both of us. <laughs> But she knows, she knows she's being outrageous yeah. in that moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's so funny. She has so much fun as well just messing people around for no reason. Like, um, his character name is, bear with me, like, Reginald de Courcy. So mm-hmm. there's a kind of potential, she sees a potential husband in him, mm-hmm. but I don't think she really, she doesn't really, not really, she doesn't really care. No, he's just quite good looking. She's quite good looking and she quite likes to flirt with him yeah. and just likes to mess, and kind of likes to annoy her sister-in-law. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. will annoy her if I flirt with her brother. Great. <laughs> and yeah, it does, there is this thing, this sort of classic Austin thing of, oh, a woman, oh, I, the whole thing is, oh, I have to find a husband. Mm-hmm. I have to go in for natural security. But that is there. But I think mainly she just wants to mess people around. She doesn't really care about that that much. I think she's quite happy on her own. Yeah, I think yeah. she loves yeah. it. She's it's really independent. Very yeah. independent, yeah. That is true. You don't get that for an Austin character, mm-hmm. really, usually. Extremely independent. Mm-hmm. I mean, she the only person she talks to about that, her confidant is um, Chloe Savigny's character. Mm-hmm. But even so, she's they don't really work together. She mainly just tells her stuff. She doesn't really rely on her. I mean, there's a couple of times where she sort of tells us to do something to help her out, but it's mainly her own... She does everything on her own accord, which is great. Yeah, she's really self-sufficient. Yeah. And she says something about her daughter. I mean, that's a quite a funny relationship anyway. Yeah. But she says something like uh, halfway through the film about the fact that, oh, she doesn't need the company of a child. She yeah. wouldn't be that boring. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, I read one review that maybe talks about like an award-winning performance from Kate Beckinsale. Mm. I mean, it's quite early to mm. talk about things like that. But do you think, is that on the cards, do you think? Would, would you be surprised... Be surprised, yeah. just because of the genre that it's in. Yeah, I mean, it is a really good performance, but it's normally drama takes it. Doesn't yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah, but it would be nice to have if she got some form of uh, yeah. recognition. I think she is the main pull of the good reviews. Yes, definitely. She really steals the show. I mean, the novella yeah. was called Lady Season. It is her yeah. story and her kind of web of deceit that yeah, we're into. Why well, would say? She- Apart from Tom Bennett. Oh, yeah. I think he's yeah. the... But he's not in it enough. That's why... No, but that's for me. <laughs> he's, he's he the, still the, steals the, it. Yeah. Yeah. Every scene for he's me. in, he's the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about him. So Tom Bennett plays Sir James Martin, who you see him at the beginning where he's been rejected by um, Susan's daughter, Frederica, and then he comes back into it. He just turns up at the, the house that sort of almost escapes to. Um, yeah, funniest character of the year so far, oh, yeah. I think. Um, there's a scene involving peas, which is hilarious. I also love it that he's uh, kind of confused by the word Churchill. <laughs> yeah. I had church and I had hill. I just didn't put the two together. Great. Uh, and on his uh, like, there's a title card for each character. Is he's, he's it a bit of a rattle? He's yeah. described as. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's an absolute idiot, but a great idiot. He's yeah, just... totally lovable idiot. Yeah, and I love that he. He's like, wow, that's so impressive that this guy writes verse and poetry. <laughs> Blissful ignorance. So many good lines. Yeah, he's so he happy as well. It. He really thinks everything he does works, and that he's uh, he's wooing Frederica with his uh, knowledge of the difference between verse and poetry. Yeah, he's kind of a kinder version of the uh, like vicar cousin that they try and marry mm. Elizabeth off to in Pride and Prejudice. Uh, he seems like a similar character. You know, they're trying to marry him off to someone who doesn't want to marry yeah. him, but instead of that guy, Mister. 
Mr. Collins, he's called. Okay. He's like awful, 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 horrendous. Whereas this guy's just a lovable fool and it's like, yeah. so much more fun. Yeah. He, I think he's also um, one of the reasons this film has been as successful as mm, it is probably. Yeah. He's so funny. But yeah. also the editing of him has been great because yeah. they don't overuse him. No. He's hilarious. But I, this is the type of character that could be used in like a spit in like a sitcom or something, mm. and they kill him mm. yeah. after half an hour. You're bored of him, and they've got six more. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think this is actually showing how how difficult it is to make really good comedy because you've got an amazing character there, but he, you can't use him too yeah. much, and like that's such a well written. His lines are fantastic, mm-hmm. but he has to have a small part. For his comedy to work. Yeah. And everyone says, like, comedy is about editing. And this film has got its editing down to a T. It's perfect. Restraint, it's so I think, good. is the key yeah. as well. Like, exactly the right word. He's absolutely... Uh, everything, but not just the character, but even um, uh, Lady Susan's vicious lines, there's sort of a restraint to them. She can't... Everything she says can't be that. There's sort of... Everyone... Every single character has, like, there's kind of a restraint to them. Like, just... Mm-hmm. Few and that's the between, period that's as well, effective. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the, like, this kind of hyper-articular and, like, the importance of the manners yeah. and that everything has to seem like it's really pleasant and polite, but yeah. underneath it's cutting and barbed and, yeah, it's great. Things as well, like Lady Susan's brother-in-law, he sort of says a, a loose quote and then a couple of times he goes, oh, I can find the citation if you like. Yeah. <laughs> that happens, like, like, two or three times. Uh, but, yeah, just that kind of restraint. Just do it a couple of times, just so, yeah. So it gets the comedic effect. The trouble is, <clears throat> you said that a lot of... I hadn't seen the trailer, but you were saying yeah, a lot of it's in the trailer. If, yeah, the, prob- the slight problem is that I saw the trailer before I watched it. So And a lot of the best... Li- some of the best lines are in the trailer. It's just gutting. Why do people yeah, do that? It's a bit I mean, I but I mean, no, it, does, it is still funny watching it again. I mean, it is genuinely really funny. And seeing it in the context makes it even funnier. Yeah, definitely. I don't yeah. feel like you'd already like yeah. heard it or whatever. It was yeah. it was great to like pick it up again. I was looking yeah. forward to the lines. Yeah, exactly. And when they deliver, they are still yeah. great. Yeah. But people listening, just use this our chat yes. as you your trailer. trailer maybe don't watch <laughs> and yeah. Go and see. Sure. It. Yeah. Um, so we've also got another uh, major character is uh, Susan's daughter Frederica, played by Morford Clark, and she's described by her mother as a simpleton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, she's so oppressed by her monster of a mother you do feel really sorry for her because she's actually really quite intelligent yeah she is they have a really funny little relationship the two of them and I mean obviously uh, Lady Susan is using everyone she meets as a pawn in her kind of master plan and her daughter kind of suffers this the most but I think that she's got her head screwed on yeah and she knows what she's doing she's playing her own game definitely uh, also playing their own game, as we mentioned, uh, Chloe Sevigny, uh, mm. who's married to Stephen Fry. Yes. Who is restrained very much. I think it's only like one or two scenes. Yeah, I he could have not been in it for me, to be honest. Oh, I, really? I, that broke it for me, because I was like, and there's Stephen Fry. Oh, because you recognised him. <laughs> well, yeah. not so, but just he was being Stephen Fry. She, I think she's a lot more passive than Susan, because she has married to this guy that she mm-hmm. hates, and he is slightly controlling of her. Like yes. He says to her... If you spend any more time with Susan, you're going to be ship- we're shipping off to back to Connecticut. Oh yeah, and then Lady yeah. Susan has some very funny lines yeah. that ends with you'll be with... scalped, <laughs> yeah. and ends with her being like, "Let's hope his next belt of gout is, is the is last one." one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's still quite manipulative and culling herself, yeah, in her own way, which is great. Another strong female character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure she's American in the book. Oh, I, I don't believe. know. I think that that's added for the list. Did she not do the accent? Maybe not. I also think Whitstorman loves Chloe Sevigny, mm. and I think he quite likes the idea of 
the threat of moving back to America yeah. in there. It makes it kind of funnier. You know, um, uh, Xavier Samuel, who plays yeah. uh, De Corsi, he's an Australian actor. Oh, yeah, very but, good English yeah, accent. Yeah, very good English accent. Yeah. Okay, so we mentioned there that a lot of the female characters are very strong-willed and all playing their own games. Um, so what did you think of the film's gender politics? How did women come across? How did men come across? What did you think overall? Um, I think there were a lot of strong female characters. Austin's yeah. very good at that. Yeah. Um, and I, I just love that she's not very likable, Lady Susan. I think yeah. that's great. Um, I think she does often paint men as a bit of bumbling idiots, really, yeah. doesn't she? <laughs> Big time. Um, and I think... Was there a likeable male character? Like, I mean, I know that we liked them, but like... Yeah, well, I mean, um, I was thinking this, that in terms of women, all of the women, in fact, I think in the film, apart from Mannering's wife, mm -hmm. come off quite well. Yes. Even her sister-in-law, um, the mother, who also is uh, mm -hmm. Mrs. De Corsi, she comes off very well, that she seems to be the matriarch of this yes. family. Where the men, on the other hand, um, so you've got James Martin, who's an absolute idiot. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Fry's character as well. He comes yeah. with just a slightly, you know, they they mock him because he's got sort of gout and he's older and he's a bit bumbling. Even um, De Corsi, I think he comes across as quite intelligent sometimes, but he is very easily manipulated by Susan. He, and he fools her because of her good looks. Yeah, simply. she calls him calf-like. Yeah. Doesn't she? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even someone like Mannering himself, who is Lady Susan's lover. He has no lines at all. Yeah. Mm. He's got no agency. What's his title card say? A divinely handsome man. <laughs> That's all he is in the film. He is completely used for his looks, which is nice to see. You it's never weird, see isn't it? Because if that was like, uh, you know, a female was, yeah, character, we'd all be divinely like, That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, how dare they do this? Yeah. But I suppose the funny thing is, is that it's, it's, it's completely yeah, taking the exactly, mick out of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure in the um, the book... That's all he is as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a um, kind of Whit, Whit Stillman kind of stylistic thing, giving mm -hmm. this character who's considered relatively important, just give him no lines because mm -hmm. that's all he re represents to want the, the lead yeah. character. So having said that, can you, can we call the film a, a feminist, is it a feminist film, do you think? Because on the one hand, yeah, they, um, they are all obsessed with marriage, the women mm -hmm. and social status and being, having a male, you know, financial provider but they are it is for their own gain it's not because they're all like oh i need to find my love that kind of thing it's very i it's just something i need and i'm going to get it because i can i'm going to yeah. use my femininity against the men yeah i mean i think time period you can't escape that you yeah. can't escape that marriage is key and yes it's interesting and yeah well lady susan never really talks about love does she no. it's it's about no. what it can <laughs> do for her lady susan's capable of <laughs> no i don't think that's in her ballpark no. but um yeah, I don't know. What would you say, Helen? Do you think it's a feminist film? I didn't even see it in those terms. No. About, like, it was just funny. Yeah. And it wasn't offensive. And it was funny. Okay, so you don't that... really see it as having much of a sort of political message. No, I think that's taking it too seriously. Okay. For me. Yeah. Does it pass the, is it the Bechdel Best test? Test. Best test. Uh, yeah, I believe it would. So that's with... So two female characters, two female talking, characters about talking about something other than men. Yeah. Do they? I don't know if they do. They they talk about the men a lot, but yeah. Uh, but then, oh no, they do. They, they I'm do sure they do. Well, I, I I think the Bechdel test doesn't make very much sense. Yeah. Anyway, to <laughs> yeah. Be I think it's a cool kind of thing. It's a cool to thing say, to point out because a lot this of many yeah. films fail it. Yeah, but, but I don't think it's the be all end all of mm -hmm. a film being. Yeah, good, good or yeah. worthwhile or or, 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 or offensive feminist. to women. Yeah, yeah. like. There are many, I'm sure there are many films that can be considered feminist that 
failed the best. Yeah, test. I'm sure there are. Um, okay, so we yeah we mentioned before that previous adaptations of uh, Jane Austen's works are, are considered very good films, but quite straightforward. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, this is. But I just think there's a couple of little uh, edges that Stillman throws in, like the title cards. Mm. So at the beginning, every time a new character is introduced, you've got the character's name. And just the sort of how they connect with the other characters, and also sometimes description. Like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Mannering is just a divinely handsome man. Mm-hmm. And then Sir James Martin, he's like Frederica Vernon's suitor, a bit of a rattle. Yeah. And I think for me, that on one hand is giving audience relevant information like context, but also I think it's some sort of a little bit of mockery of Austen's novels that A, they are. The, the relationship between characters is very complex, like mm-hmm. you know, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, mm-hmm. half-brother, mm-hmm. etc. It's just when even when I was it, both of the ones I've read have been like, okay, just slow down. Who is yeah. this guy? You always Why want is like an important? index, <laughs> yeah, you want a yeah. family tree that yeah. you can pull out and look at every now and then. And this film, I think, is mocking how you know how complex that can be, and also the the line like a divinely handsome man. It's, yeah, it's mocking that absolutely. I think. Would you say then that this is a Austin adaptation, like? straightforward from the book this is how the book is this is a film version of that book or do you think it's slightly slight uh, postmodern uh, slightly yeah i think i would go with that well, not not quite parody but i kind slightly of slightly pastiche yeah mm-hmm. i think it is and because i don't like those yeah. kind of films i really relish okay. in all the little bits like when they loads of them just run off yeah. Like the girls yeah. <laughs> like yeah. pick up their skirts and, and run, run away. and yeah. wail yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like I personally find those period dramas. I can I find it really hard to get into because yeah. I think I want this story without all the costume and it just tell me the story and I find all the costume and the language gets in the way. Sure. And it was all the costume and the language that was adding all the laughs in this bit and it was saying how silly it does look. Yeah. Um. It also with the title cards. It was kind of that kind of offbeat humour of like what we do in the shadows. Yeah. I, I think don't know if definitely you've got that at all. Yeah. yeah I which it. I re- I really like that film. Really film, yeah. um, so I think that Stillman has like a kind of luxury in the fact that this isn't a well known Austin film that yeah, he can do that sure. I don't I feel if like people wouldn't take prejudice exactly and he did this to it I think people it would... aren't going to like it because it's no. so treasured it's so loved partly but also I just think maybe Pride and Prejudice isn't very funny yeah. as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in all honesty and, uh, and that's where the film I think uh, as well as kind of being postmodern it probably is quite serious because I'm sure the book does have this kind of humour to it mm-hmm. that uh, the lead character is so vicious and there's humour in that. Yeah, it's kind of giving uh, Jane Austen kind of benefit of the doubt, if you get what I mean, yeah. in terms of sure, being yeah. like, yeah, this is probably, maybe we're all taking this too seriously. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe there is an edge of humour that we yeah. haven't found in her other books. Well, there's definitely like a, a worry, isn't it, that you idolise someone like Austen or Dickens or yeah. uh, Shakespeare and you like, can't touch it, it has to be preserved exactly, exactly how, it is, how yeah. it is. And so it is really fun. Does, yeah. yeah. Sure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So we're going to have just, we've got from Twitter, at Real Film Fatale. Said she says the film was endearing and cleverly funny. Kate is a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely agree. There yeah, again, 100%. Kate Beckinsale is really the main drawer of the film. Uh, we've also got uh, at Jay Slater Williams. He sent us a capsule review from the skinny.co.uk. I just got a quote from that where he says, A constant scene stealer is Tom Bennett as a dolchish suitor who is slow to catch on to basically anything. He provides some of the most riotous scenes in any recent film. Yeah. Again. I totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's worth seeing just for him. Sure, I definitely, think. yeah. Um, okay, so before we get into uh, talk about the end of the film, any final thoughts? Um, Great film, guys. Yeah, film. It is a really great film. Really quite quite lighthearted considering she's so horrible. It is yes. quite lighthearted. And it's, it's very easy to watch. It's such good fun, and I honestly yeah. think it's a film you could watch with anyone. It's yeah. It, you don't have to be an Austin fan. You guys are. That's you what absolutely we were, loved yeah. it. We've got two two out of the three of us. Two of us don't like Austin. One of mm. us does, and all three of us agree that the film's great. Yeah, so, yeah. I think it's a film you can watch with anyone, any age group. It's just a real laugh. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Definitely go and see it. It's out on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, now that you've seen the film and you're back with us, the ending, what I thought was quite a surprising ending. <laughs> where, so Frederica marries de Corsay, but then Susan marries James Martin, which was crazy. Was not expecting no, that. No, I did not expect that at all. I love the scene when they all get together and try and hypothesise as to why she would have done yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> and what the three options they come up with, they come up with that... A, there's actually something likeable about this man that yeah. she's found out. Yeah. Uh, B, that he's got more money than yeah, he let on so. or something like that. Or, yeah, I can't remember the third I one. I can't remember the third one either, no, but, they, but they, everyone's very puzzled. That's really good as well. It's very good. It's yeah. like, it's, uh, it kind of takes the mick out of those really key speeches. Yeah, isn't one of them that she love. genuinely loved with him? Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the one. Like, <laughs> like, the third one is like, or maybe she just loves him. Yeah. Like, in <laughs> that way. That, that, that character says yeah. like, well, yeah, they say uh, one cannot control the heart. That kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, Susan can. And she. <laughs> what did you think? Why did you think she'd done it before? The... I was confused because I, I was very surprised. I was so surprised. I was like, what? Why is this? I, I think... think he must be rich. Like, secretly. I think he's secretly rich. Yeah. And I kind of think now that she's done it and got a husband mm. and, or I think A, he's rich and B, he's an idiot. Yeah. And because she is having this affair with Mannering mm-hmm. and is been impregnated yeah Yeah, well that's a big reveal yeah she's been pregnant from Mannering who is married so that would be a scandal so not only does she now have a husband that she can sort of lump that onto Mm -hmm. she's also got an idiot husband so that she can do what she wants with Mannering and he's not going to question anything because he's so stupid I mean he's so stupid he believes she gets pregnant on her wedding night (laughs) (laughs) the next day when she tells him when she wakes up in the morning she says I'm pregnant Oh, bless him. <laughs> a lot of films where you have this kind of the, an anti-hero, there's morality involved mm-hmm. and they get their comeuppance in some way. I feel like she doesn't at all. 
because she's done what she set out to do from the beginning. She's Frederica's married off to a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. She's married off to a wealthy husband. She's ha- she, and she can still have her affairs and everything. She's won. Yeah, she's won everything. She's played she everyone. Needs. I mean, she isn't quite. Maybe it's not quite ideal, but she's still. I wondered if she was kind or of. Or maybe even... it's all along. It's been this. Yeah, has been her this ploy. has been her point. Because I wonder if she was doing this with de Corsi. I thought maybe like, to throw off the scent that she wants yeah. to marry her daughter off to. And enrage her daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I want to marry the one you you like. That kind of, <laughs> that kind of attitude. Like, because obviously him marrying Lady Susan would be so much worse for his family yeah. than yeah. her daughter. So yeah. she's left her of two evils. Definitely. Yeah, hope I, I wish I really want it to be true that this yeah. was her plan all along. Absolute mastermind. Yeah, but yeah, she she wins. The villain wins. She totally wins. <laughs> yeah, and that's great to see. Um, I'm not. I think maybe in the book, from what I've read, the book there's slightly more. She gets slightly more of a comeuppance. Oh, in right. a way. I think it plays very slightly similar, but I think there's a little bit more of um, De Corsi and Frederick like, oh well, we won't let her win. We'll get married instead. <laughs> that kind of thing. Whereas in the film, he I think he still. Sticks up for her, doesn't he? Even when they're not together anymore. Yeah. He still says, oh, she's still a wonderful woman. I'm sure there's some sort of line like that. Yeah. She's definitely painted... Like, yeah. people don't um, look again... Like, no. people like yeah. her at the end. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, quite an interesting way mm-hmm. to go, I thought. And very atypical of Austen. So where the lead doesn't end up with... With who she, with should, who she do should do. Or... Yeah. Also, I really enjoyed how she kept saying... He's no Solomon. He's no Solomon. <laughs> oh, you know the story of King Solomon? Yeah. And then it kind of went through Chinese whispers yeah. so that people picked it up. And then they <laughs> yeah. obviously didn't understand what they were, she yeah. was saying, but they were like, that's clearly a phrase that people use. <laughs> yeah, so that, like that's it, the one that's like, oh, I can through, find you the citation. Yeah, <laughs> it went through the things. <laughs> really made me laugh. Yeah, great ending um, to a great film. Uh, if we wrap up there... I yeah, think, yeah. I think it's can. one of those films. There's not a lot to spoil, really. No, because I mean, the ending is the spoiler, but you, and I don't think you see that coming. That's not a real plot That's twist. A, yeah, yeah, quite a plot twist, and it, you don't see it happen. It, yeah. you, you hear about it from another character suddenly. Yeah. Oh, she's going to marry him. Like, and that's that Austin thing of like everything's it's heard all from other news. Yeah. 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 It's all gossip. Like, yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So see this. Uh, I think you'll agree that. Um, you can see the, and appreciate this film whether you love or hate Jane Austen. Yeah, or if you've got any background in yeah. it or not. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you just want to see something really funny. Go and see yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's 90 it's really minutes funny. of just pure fun. Yeah, nice yeah. and short as well. Yeah. Good length. Good yeah. length. Good length. So that's it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please uh, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, and if you've got any questions or comments for next week's show, tweet us at Curzon Cinemas. Uh, with the hashtag Curzon Podcast. So that's goodbye from me, goodbye from Jenna. Goodbye. And goodbye from Helen. Goodbye. Uh, so we're going to end the show now with a interview with uh, the Director of Love and Friendship, Whit Stillman. Uh, so enjoy that and thank you very much for listening. So we are delighted to be joined on the Curzon Cinemas podcast by Whit Stillman, Director of Love and Friendship. How are you doing today, Whits? Thanks for having me. And so, uh, Love and Friendship, a new Jane Austen adaptation. As an American, approaching what is a... English institution almost in Jane Austen. So any struggles that you had to come over to get to the script? Well, I had to have people who would make sure we were doing it right. So I had to vet it at many different stages. And um, we auditioned it for a long time. So it was sort of out there being studied. And and when things were not quite right, we were hearing about it. But then we went particularly sort of with different fine-tooth combs through it to try to make it, not just from the American versus British point of view, but the period point of view. So we're trying to 
only have the sort of tolerable anachronisms that we needed rather than anything inadvertent and bad. I mean, you, we have this thing now of um, sound replacement. I mean, I guess it's, we've always had it, but now it's digital and it's and it can be done really well. So there's a lot of debating about pronunciation of certain names. And, you know, after we corrected it, then other people come along and say, no, no, it was the other way. So, so it's very hard to know. It's not unanimous, the pronunciation of everything. And the time period from when the original book, Lady Susan, was set and the film has changed as well. So if you could, you could reference the Austin text, but then you might actually have to, did you have to change anything because you were slightly adjusting the time period as well? Well, to get back to your actually earlier question, the whole American heritage uh, angle, Jane Austen was born in um, 1775, and this is written, um, we believe, in the 1790s. So in 1775, we were the same country. And in my view, um, British practices and pronunciations have become sort of more eccentric and more localized, and some things, sort of more objectively 18th century, continue in the hinterlands and abroad. And so I'm not sure if we're farther away from Jane Austen than people in present-day England. So I defend the American access to the heritage of Jane Austen. Um, now, your second question was... Um, about changing the time period. Well, we didn't change the time period. We're um, using the time period that we believe she wrote the main draft of the book. So we think this, the, the main draft of the book was completed by 1794, 1795, and that, that was the period we were aiming for. Um, I believe that she also kept working on it um, through the early 1800s because the final version that's um, in the collection of the Morgan Library in New York, see there, it's part of our heritage, um, is um, with watermark paper from 1805. So she copied it over in this in this very fine form. And I think Jane Austen copying over is not just a secretary transcribing every word. She'd be correcting it and changing it, modifying it, dropping things that she didn't like. And was there any kind of idiomatic language that you had to get your head around at all? Well, what I find really wonderful about the source material, uh, which is published by her nephew under the title Lady Susan, um, what I find wonderful about that is we understand all the words, but the way she uses them is different than the way we'd use them today. So it has this sort of delightful charm of word usage. Um, so rather than saying that someone is alive, they say they're still in life. And rather than they said something jokingly, they said, I said it in joke. And there, there are all these formulations that I really found charming, but we can understand them. Yeah. And so looking back um, to your previous films, Metropolitan has the idea of a uh, costume picture, but set in the past. And Love and Friendship is set in the past, but feels current to now as well. How did you approach modernizing elements of the text? Well, I didn't want to modernize um, anything. I think actually the latter part of the 18th century is very close to where we are now. The, the very good literature, the very classic literature of then holds up really well. And I think it's now that doesn't hold up so well. So I don't like to, the idea that the present is going to educate the past. I like the idea that we're going to be educated by the past ourselves. Although your main focus is Lady Susan, there's a lot of families no, I th I think that I mean one reason for the title change um, from her nephew's title to to our title, Love and Friendship is a title that Jane Austen had used for a lesser lesser short story, but it was it was the title she thought of, 
even if it weren't for for this this work and love and friendship allows more characters it allows a, a wider field and i think that it is broader in terms of the panorama of characters um the film than the original um novella okay and so with the different families and titles in the film it could end up being a bit like Game of Thrones with all these people with different plans and different titles. How do you keep track of all the characters? Because there's, I, there's I, a realm I, of I, uh, characters in there. I don't think anything could be less similar to Game of Thrones, <laughs> to be honest. No, I think it's actually very easy to keep track of these characters. They're, they're not that many. Um, they're essentially defined by by two or three country houses. And, um, you know, I think we're pretty careful to keep everything pretty clear. So I don't think there's any challenging in, the, in that regard. Okay. Um, and it's a there's one thing to clarify, which is that we we have this device of portraits of the characters with a little short description of them, and we 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 make it very quick. We don't see them for long. We don't really see them for long enough to properly read and comprehend everything. And that is sort of a, a device to sort of set the tone of the um, movie. People are not going to be tested on the material. It, it is. Uh, there's, it's not a pass/fail course or a graded course. They just can allow that to go by without feeling obliged to remember anything. So I think some people in our initial uh, screening said, "Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't follow everything that was said in that that thing." As if they're worried that they had missed something, and they're they're not missing anything. It's intended to be that way. Okay. And I think that um, that brings me into uh, the editing of the film, because it's a tight 90 minutes, and it keeps moving along very quickly, never indulging even with the amount of comic talent that you've got available. Was there a lot of funny stuff on set that you had to make the cuts, or did you find you had to be really strict with yourself about what got in and what didn't? Well, I was trying to be really strict um, while we were shooting, just before we were shooting and throwing things out that didn't seem necessary, it seemed a little tedious or repetitive. So I kept cutting um, scenes and sort of the training from, from past scenes that were massively too long. And um, then we were adding at the same time these sort of funny scenes with these great comic performers like Tom Bennett and Justin Edwards and uh, Jen Murray. Uh, and so um, I was a little worried that we were adding so much that we might be um, bulking up the film. But it turns out, when you're editing it, you, know, you throw out a few scenes you don't think work or aren't aren't interesting or necessary. And then I was wondering, is this film going to be long enough? Because I, I remember modifying the contract with the um, sales company that was selling the international rights. They had that the film had to be between 90 and 120 minutes. And I started thinking, well, let's change that to 85 minutes because I'm not sure how I'm going to cut this down. And and now it's 90 minutes, so it's fine. But there's a moment there and I was thinking, oh my gosh, if I keep cutting like this, it's going to be below 85 minutes. It's rare to hear of directors being so happy to cut this. No, I've really decided now that I really like um, short, tight schedules and and, sh- and shorter films. I think it's, it, particularly if it's comic, you don't want it to go on too long. It's a bit of energy, uh, laughing up a storm. And you apply that on set, keeping an immaculate schedule. Yes, um, it's really helpful. Um, I mean, they explain it to you when you're coming in, and you think, "Oh, this is terrible." You know, the the shooting day is going to start at eight o'clock, no matter how late. We really want to be shooting, and it's going to end at seven, no matter what. And it, it seems like a terrible constraint, but it turned out to be a godsend because we could keep our wits about us. We could get some sleep, and it allowed me to have sort of time to get up at four a.m. and and write the scenes for for um, Tom Bennett and other other actors. Okay. So you, um, you've mentioned Tom Bennett 
anyone that I've spoken to, he's one of their standout performances from the film. Yeah. Uh, comic creation. And of, of course, year. you know, we have to give credit words too, which is Kate Beckinsale carries the film and it's absolutely marvelous and looks terrific. And also Chloe, I don't think people fully appreciate what a great job she's doing because um, so many of these scenes, Kate is the live wire with all the dialogue and Chloe is her friend who's sort of reacting and responding and she's just so funny. Like there's this carriage ride towards the end where they're so hard-hearted and funny about their marriages and prospects. Uh, uh, and Chloe's really great at that. I mean, Chloe can do more with her eyes. It's the most amazing thing. She's so expressive. I, I say that she's like the ocean. My favorite actor in the world is, is, is the ocean because it is constantly moving. It's constantly doing its own thing. It's always interesting to watch and it doesn't need any direction, nor will it take any direction. And Chloe will take direction, but she's sort of like that. She sort of exists in space doing her thing. And it's a huge relief uh, for the director, you know, just let Chloe operate, let her do her thing. And I read that um, she initially had rehearsed an English accent and prepared that for the film. Oh, which you, she you, talked about that, yeah. And uh, which you, was then yeah. changed at the last minute. Well, well the problem there was um, I'd had the funny experience of seeing how much people enjoyed the sort of uh, commentary, the transatlantic humor, you know, Europe and America making fun of each other or whatever. And I, I remember how well that worked uh, with Barcelona. And then I'd been immersed in the literature of our War of Independence and the, the political times before it and after it, and the exile of the the Tories who had lost that war. They were returning to um, London. There's a wonderful painting by Benjamin West, uh, Britannia welcomes the return of the loyalists and it's just so over the top emotional and patriotic and uh and so benjamin west was one of the tory exiles the great artist and so the idea of um chloe playing connecticut in a jane austen film was too too attractive and it really works with the character because um mr johnson played by stephen fry um in, in the original novel, he's threatening to settle in a country village if she keeps seeing Lady Susan. And she says she couldn't bear the idea of uh, settling in a country village, so she has to break off with, uh, with, uh, with Lady Susan. But in this case, it's even more terrifying. She is threatened with being sent back to Hartford, Connecticut. And that's, that's much worse fate. And so I, I had no idea that Connecticut itself would be such a punchline, such an effective punchline. So, so that works. So Chloe's a little disappointed not to get to use her great English accent, but I just hate it the way sort of spectator, there's certain nasty minded spectator who no matter how perfectly someone does something, if they know their national origin is different, they're always going to be finding fault with it. So I wanted to avoid that also. We had that experience with Damsels in Distress because we had a, an actress who had a consciously phony British accent and so many comments, you know, upset about that. And then people saying, well, it's revealed at the end that it's a phony accent. People say, well, I don't care. I don't care that it's revealed at the end that she's a phony accent. And the um, you yourself, you've expanded on Austen's original Lady Susan novella. You'll notice I've done this entire interview with my English accent. I hope you're appreciate yeah. how perfect oh, yeah. it is. It's yeah, um, excellent. This, the yes. Kent songbird? Yes, it's Kentish, Kentish perfection. <laughs> or is um, it more Surrey? I'm, I'm not sure. 
And um, so, so you you've written the adaptation or novelization of the books. So how do you how did you work on expanding novelization? From... Yeah, we don't call it a novelization. It's a novel based on the film, derived from the film. So, Love and Friendship. This is a novel um, that's out. It's in bookstores. It's actually published by an imprint of Jane Austen's original publishers. So, uh, Two Roads that brought it out is an imprint of the John Murray Press, and it's John Murray who published Emma and her last novels. And um, it, it's called Love and Friendship, in which Jane Austen's Lady Susan Vernon is entirely vindicated. And the good thing about this, sometimes it, I mean, certain editors are going to hate to hear this, but certain times it's really good to miss your deadlines and i blew through all my deadlines for this novel i was supposed to finish it before the film shoot which is of course impossible and so i didn't start it until we had picture lock and i'm very thankful that i waited because i discovered the whole strain of martin humor that tom bennett sort of helped us develop um and so the novel is narrated by sir james martin's nephew and he is not quite as dim as Sir James, but far more pretentious. So the combination of dim and pretentious I always find just delightful. And it's also a little bit of a send-up of the memoir of my aunt by um, Jane Austen's nephew. So these two sort of strains um, helped uh, focus the novel. So we have um, the sort of Lady Susan story, as in the film, except her nephew is turning everything around, so Lady Susan is actually in the right, and the de Courcys and Jane Austen are in the wrong. And, um, I mean, I couldn't... I'm usually a really slow writer, and uh, it was kind of a miracle. I was able to... I had to trick the publishers many times to get more time to, to finish it, but then they tricked me, because at a certain point I was asking when books would be ready, thinking that it would be about a month away, and that I had another chance to correct proofs or something like that. And they said, oh, we'll have books next week, which means the final corrections uh, weren't in it. So, so if you want to buy this edition now, it's it'll be a collector's item, because uh, um, they've, they're going back for a second printing, and the corrections won't get in a second printing, but if there's a third printing, they will be corrected. Well, that's Love and Friendship, the novel. The novel. Not the novelization. Not the novelization. <laughs> and, Heaven for a friend. And Love and Friendship, the film, is out in cinemas now. Wit Stillman, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks very much. 